0: You're listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander.
1: I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Edie.
0: And as always, we've got Isaac in our headphones, looking up links, fact-checking as we go, and providing live updates on who the best players are in both Season 7 of Apex Legends and the upcoming (laughs) AFL 2021 Draft. (laughs) (laughs) Something for everyone here on Not Good Enough. We're not going to
2: talk about either of those things, hopefully. We'll not feature in this episode.
1: No, I want to talk about the Draft. I'm going to talk about how the Draft (laughs) is actually like a socialist release. Never mind. Okay. If you're talking about
2: the Draft, God help me, I'm talking about Apex Legends. (laughs) Nobody wants
0: this yeah we could do a whole bit on how like oh people don't want bloody socialism in their politics but the afl they bloody love it
1: i would love to hammer that home but (laughs) i feel like we'd have an audience of like precisely two people that care about footy so (laughs) sorry
3: leftists learn some real sport but what an engaged audience (laughs) they would be
1: You know what they're
2: missing in the AFL though? <laughs> the AFL is missing loot boxes, I reckon to keep the kids engaged. You open it and you're like, "Ah, oh, man, I was hoping for like a jersey or something, but it's just more stickers." <laughs>
0: Yeah, like uh, gold-tier mullets on some of the plays. Like, he's gone extreme this year. Oh. <laughs> Richmond feeling frisky. Can I, I just know. do a
1: podcast that's entirely on the AFL Evolution 2, which is a really terrible attempt at doing a AFL game? Actually, it's, as yeah. far as sports games goes, it's not that bad. But Fill your
0: boots, Evie. <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever you want, Evie. Moving on. <laughs> what we've learned from this
2: is you don't do throwaway jokes before we start the pod. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's enter the sexism zone. <laughs> <laughs> the Four Corners
3: television show did an expose on Alan Tudge and Christian Porter as how they put it, Megamondo sleezers. That was the name of the episode.
2: It wasn't really. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, so what did they actually say? What actually happened?
1: So what happened is basically it was like a it was a report on inappropriate relationships with staffers. Especially in light of Malcolm Turnbull putting in what he called a bonk ban, aka stopping people from shopping their staffers.
2: And that was after Barnaby
3: <laughs> Joyce, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Was yeah. After Barnaby Joyce was caught having an affair with Vicky
1: Campion, and he was
3: also caught giving her a uh, job, giving her a job doing like it was like two hundred thousand dollars a year to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't prove that she had done anything, mm-hmm. um, but everyone was like, "Oh, and he's had an affair," and a lot of people were like, "And that." Seems like it's kind of corruption. They're like, oh, and he was sleeping around.
2: Yeah. Well, he's got a red face like a little tomato. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept his job, of course. Yeah, yeah. And she
3: kept her job even.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So nothing happened and nothing changed. They just said, we'll try not to do that so overtly in future. And of course, everybody kept doing it <laughs> yeah. as and then as before.
0: Alan Tudge and Christian Porter were like, fuck that. Here we go. <laughs> What's
1: important about this um, Four Corners special specifically is that Malcolm Turnbull has come on the record to say he knew it was happening, he saw it was happening, and he still made him Attorney General anyway.
0: God, fucking Turnbull sucks. These
2: These guys are both in positions of extreme power, very high up in the government, with power over many, many lives, and in fact the running of the entire country, despite the fact that the Prime Minister and current Prime Ministers, everybody else, knows that they are lying, immoral, kind of,
0: well, bags. But this Please is th- bags. but this is the thing, is that we knew that previously, only a few weeks ago, when a federal judge said that Alan Tudge is liable to be up on criminal charges because yeah. he essentially kidnapped someone. And that was like a oh no. Ah well thing in the media. And now this thing comes along it's like, and he also had an affair. And people are like oh. It's like, of course he did. He's one of the most like they're all having affairs, they're all fucking each other. It's all coke fueled nonsense. Like, why can't we focus on the kidnapping?
2: And these are specifically people who relatively recently when there was like marriage equality debates were going oh but the sanctity of marriage and <laughs> uh, raising children uh-huh. and all this stuff um they they have absolutely no actual moral fiber to speak of they're all terrible terrible people everybody knows it nothing changes
1: just to try to thread the needle onto why I find like exposés like this so frustrating to sort of hear the you know the fallout from uh, and I think a lot of women would probably largely agree with it in that, yes, it is a problem that these people are stopping their staffers, um, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> consensual, <laughs> consensual relationship or not. It is still a power imbalance and, mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 it turns out, you know, these women were treated quite badly too, as a consequence, especially when they said, actually, no, I'm not comfortable with it, but it's just it like, you know, it, especially after hearing Barnaby Joyce, and you, uh, this mm. is certainly not the first time that, you know, such relationships have been um, put forward to the media. But you can't help seeing, especially with Malcolm Turnbull putting his face forward and saying, oh, I knew about it, but I guess I should have given him um, less credit and not made him Attorney General. Uh, like,
2: yeah, you were the, you were the Prime Minister of Australia.
1: Yeah, if anyone could do something about it, the Prime Minister of Australia could do it, and he chose not to do something. So all I'm doing while watching this is going, "Oh, okay. Well, if the Prime Minister won't do anything, what what's going to happen now? Probably nothing. So what is the purpose of this exercise? Uh, Malcolm Turnbull <laughs> getting one over his enemies? Like it? it like getting this on is- TV yes. again, like yeah. old times?
3: Yeah. People listening to him? It's
1: very frustrating and sad that, like you know, the women who are specifically the victims of this, they tell their story, and it's very brave of them to do so, but. The people who use it for leverage are the men in the story, of course.
0: I think that's something to keep in mind as well, is that these stories don't come out because investigative journalists are doing the hard yards and, like, really, like, digging into it. Uh They're all corrupt and they are all doing horrendous shit and they get leaks from the, like, from the government when it's politically expedient for other people to leak on them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because all these things are common knowledge.
0: Like, this is so much of this is known secrets shit. Like, there are the the Barnaby Joyce thing was known for about 18 months before we even started to hear rumors about it, and then the story was broken. It's a known secret amongst not only the politicians, but the journalists as well. Mm. They just are waiting for hard evidence to be given to them. They get their hard evidence from other politicians. So for some like at the moment, Alan Tudge and Christian Porter are in some people's bad graces and someone wants to put pressure on Scott Morrison. Probably it's gonna be Dutton and the right wing faction of the Liberal Party party, the the more right-wing faction, and that's why we're hearing about it now. So, don't ever, like, think that this is, like, you know, a huge exposé that came out of nowhere. It's like, no, this is still all part of the politics and the game of it all. Also, when
1: you say hard evidence, it it has to be emphasised that when you talk about hard evidence in Australia, we mean something that you won't get slapped with a defamation suit for.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, they
1: may have hard evidence, like, you know, they might have had hard evidence about Barnaby Joyce much earlier, but- it was more likely for someone to get slapped with it previously mm. than it was at the up until the point when it was actually disclosed when she was actually pregnant and no one could avoid <laughs> uh, the, the news. yeah, but yeah, I think
3: there's also a real thing of people just being completely unable to distinguish between two really, really different kinds of story. Like you've got mm. Barnaby Joyce's affair on one hand where he had you know, by all accounts, a consensual relationship with one of his staffers. He got her a very cushy job in another office. Mm. Um, They're having a kid together. They're still together, I believe. Yep. Like, second kid. this is like sort of a a sort of zone of like, yeah, there's some questions around like the power imbalance there. But Vicky Campion is still like, you know, Barnaby Joyce is my partner. Like, it seems like one that's worked out okay. Whereas you've also got situations of like ministers trying to, you know, have sex with underlings being like, you know, oh, you want that promotion, do you? Which is like, Disgusting and predatory, like mm. they're not the same story, but the the press often sort of uh, describes them as the same story because it's just like, oh, it's you know ministers yeah. having affairs. It's like there's ministers having exploitative affairs and ministers having consensual affairs, and they're so so different also
1: one yeah. particular fact that has escaped a lot of blowback, which really pisses me off in talking about it being sexism in Parliament house specifically one of the staffers who came forward said that she was working under Michaela Cash and she got blowback from Michaela Cash's department yeah. when they found out about the affair.
0: Mm. Yeah, to the point where she's now filing complaints against the like her office specifically because she feels like she was, like, at first it was okay and then as she worked there for longer, she just kept getting bullied, she was told she couldn't be trusted and that was all because of this consensual affair that she was having with someone who had immense power over her. Like, the the whole thing is rotten and corrupt, and it is all, like, political games to those people. Like, who they can bully, who they can move around, who they can force into doing things who, like, politically they may not want to do. And, I mean, fucking also sexually. Mm. Like, this is how this works.
2: Some kind of weird political gossip girl situation. That's fucked. Yeah, I, I, I want to point out that Vicky Campion, who-
3: Received uh, uh, You know Just this cushy job I, I get really mad about that Because everyone gets so You know Caught up in the, a whole You know sordid affair side of the story yeah. But She got Hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. Of taxpayer money f- For nothing Because she was having an affair With Barnaby Joyce basically Yeah, yeah That's and the thing that pisses me off That's the thing that pisses me off I don't care that they were having an affair yeah. I care that, yeah. j- that She got this doesn't like affect Corrupt the running position. of
2: the country It's the corruption that affects The running of the country Yeah and The fact yeah. that these Jerkbags stay in power. Um, But because
3: there's sex involved, people get like, oh, the sex scandal. It's like, who cares about people can can have sex with whoever they want. Just don't be corrupt. But also Vicky Campion's actually spoken out in this situation. She wrote a thing in the Herald Sun saying the bonk band protects no one. Uh this uh what what did she say? Uh no women no woman should be subjected to repeated odling by their male bosses. But we get nowhere by victimizing ourselves as prey. Oh my like
2: God. <laughs> And now we have to hear Vicky Campion's opinion on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She didn't earn that position of having her opinion heard <laughs> at, on politics.
0: Fuck that. Wow.
1: I, I think also <sighs> half of the struggle with this, and it's something um I've talked about on the podcast before when it comes to talking about gossip. I love gossip. I am a huge gossip maven. (laughs) Really? One gossip, please. Uh, I'm always asking for (laughs) gossip. Please at me with gossip that you have. Um, That being said, this is like, you know, the the framing of this a lot of the time, whenever, as you said, McLean, whenever there's an affair in Canberra or any politician having an affair, the concentration is on the gossip aspect and not Mm. the consequences of such an affair, if there are any.
0: Mm.
3: Yeah, it's, it's on the gossip aspect, and it, honestly, it's on the hypocrisy aspect as well. Like, even we're guilty of, of going into, like, oh, Alan Tudge, he's meant to be a Christian, but he was having an affair. And even when he was talking against gay marriage, th- at the time he was having an affair, he was ruining the sanctity of marriage himself. Like, fucking, yeah. if a murderer tells you that murder is wrong, they're still right that murder is wrong. Hypocrisy is a fake idea. Like... I think that Alan Touch genuinely does believe that homosexuality is a sin. Like, him going on and talking about the sanctity of marriage while having an affair... It's just him being a hypocrite. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Everyone's a hypocrite.
0: I did see one take mm. on Twitter, and I'm sorry that I forget who who put it out there, but just the idea that these people can be against marriage equality while still holding affairs does just speak to their idea of marriage being stuck in like the 1890s, where it's like, no, men can have as many relationships as they want. This is That doesn't ruin the sanctity of marriage. I want to bring it back to that.
2: I disagree with that take. I think that they don't actually have any strong stances at all. I think they're just trying to say whatever they can say to get away with whatever policies they want to get away with. And the, what this shows is that none of them can be trusted as far as you can throw them.
3: Uh, no, I, I reckon that they are genuinely homophobic and that they would I mean, genuinely course. opposed to gay marriage. But That, that one I'm, I reckon is real.
2: But I reckon, more importantly, they think that the rules don't apply to them and that they can do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, that's the thing that we should be talking about. Not like, ah, oh, he doesn't really believe in the sanctity of marriage. It's, he's he's corrupt. He's out for himself.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're all corrupt.
0: The main thing is, I do not give a fuck about these people's personal lives. They are politicians. They enact policies. Those policies affect people. Can we focus on the fucking policies? Alan Tudge, I do not care that Alan Tudge had an affair. I care that Alan Tudge went against a federal fucking ruling and kept a man in detention for five days illegally. That should be the only thing we're fucking talking about. I do not care who he fucks. And yet, like, like we've all said, yeah. we're just obsessed with this whole, like, ooh, it's scandalous. It's, it's yeah. not scandalous. They're just having an affair. That happens all the time. You know what doesn't happen all the time? A politician kidnaps someone and a federal judge says, you are very likely opening yourself up to crimes, which, by the way, haven't happened yet. That should be the fucking scandal.
1: Yeah, it was kind of weird to, um, like... I don't know uh, if any of our listeners were watching it, the report at the time. I actually didn't watch the report in real time, but, um but I remember Twitter like was like as soon as like the news of what was about to drop happened, everyone's talking about. Oh, are you going to watch Four Corners tonight? Um, they, they even talked about it in Parliament. the The Liberal Party tried to stop it from airing. They were talking about it in estimates.
3: Right, that is an interesting one. The, the the Liberal Party trying to prevent the thing from being aired because it like wasn't in the public interest or something. Yeah, like. That's shitty behavior. Right. You can't be controlling what people are broadcasting because it embarrasses you. That that's an abuse of power.
1: Yeah. And
2: yeah. the fact that the opposition, this is what pisses me off, the opposition just kind of lets this shit go. They every time Alan Tudge gets up to <laughs> speak in parliament, I someone mean, in the opposition I mean, you
1: know why. We absolutely know why. Evie and I just why.
0: <laughs> we're, we're recording this digitally without any cameras, but Evie and I just both looked at each other a suburb away and we were like, we know why. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> everybody else is doing it
0: too. It's, it's so weird that the Labor Party also don't want a federal watchdog for corruption. Why could that be? <laughs> 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 Fucking losers.
2: And so just, yeah, mark this calendar. In six months, Alan Tudge will be revealed to do something else and everyone will... We'll talk about it as if he's just some minister that doesn't have this long-running history of fucked shit, and then we'll all move on and he'll keep his job where he rules over all of us.
3: Yeah, like with fucking Gladys Berejiklian, who a couple of weeks ago was caught up in a f- big, like, oh, corruption saga thing where her, mm. like, secret boyfriend was organising dodgy property deals in her office, and <laughs> she was, like, very, very carefully looking the other way. They're and Super then, like, corrupt. <laughs> they're like, you know, a hundred hours pass and now they're just like, oh, and Gladys Berejiklian's in on, like, the national anthem or something. And we're not going to mention the fact that there's been no consequences coming out of the, the corruption thing that happened last fucking week. <laughs> like, the, the, oh. the memory of these people is so goddamn so, short.
1: Alan Tudge is definitely going to do some sort of patriotism thing on Australia Day. Next year,
0: market. That's, that's going to be his. Alan Tudge favorite. is going to do shoeys in an Australian cape somewhere on Bondi just to like, take the heat off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it it I'm goes. not sure if it's very ministerial of him to be doing that. We're going to look into it. And it's like, hang on, he kidnapped someone. It's like, yeah, sho- shoey Tudge on the front pages again. Yeah, like, no, you're 100% right. I think. Uh, McLean, part of that issue is that we have this like for-profit media or places like ABC and SBS competing with for-profit places that are convinced that people cannot hold their attention on one topic after a week. Like there aren't any consequences coming, and part of that because is because we're not reporting on Berejiklian anymore. We are yeah. on to the next thing she's done, and we're letting politicians. Decide what comes up next.
1: Once again, this is a, this yeah. is probably a symptom of treating politics like gossip media, though. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, no one no one really cares about Gladys having an affair now, so we may as well get on to That's the next
3: top news. Everyone's bored of the corruption scandal Like, I didn't even care about her having an affair at the time I cared
1: about her facilitating dodgy
3: property deals And skimming money off the top
2: yeah. But we run a podcast
3: But everyone's like, oh, she had a secret boyfriend And she's like, leave my personal life out of this We've all
2: like, had bad boyfriends
3: I'm so happy to leave your personal life out of it Gladys, I want to talk about your professional life when you skimmed money off co-
0: property uh, deals But like- McLean, my professional life is very now intertwined with my personal life Because I had an affair with someone who was in politics as well So if we could drop the whole thing that's the only fair way to go about it. That's what you've got to
3: do is you've got to make sure that your professional and, and, and personal <laughs> lives are closely enough intertwined so that when you get in trouble in your professional life, you can say, oh, leave my personal life out of this because you bring your whole self to work, <laughs> don't you? And that's the best protection there is.
1: I'm just going to say this. Um, I would say that stan culture for celebrities and, and pop artists and stuff like that holds their idols more to account then the press gallery holds politicians <laughs> 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 the Like dude. you get any stand coming up on Twitter Like you talk about like oh Ariana God. Grande And you'll have someone in your mentions Just yeah. like hey did you know she did blackface Like 10 years ago And it's like <laughs> God like no one has yeah. that you need stand culture for tw- you need Twitter stand culture for like politics. It's like, hey, do you remember who did this, this, and this? We're working on it, Evie. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> but
3: we're only one podcast.
2: <laughs> Australian politics runs on cartoon sitcom rules. It's like The Simpsons or something. Where Gladys Berejiklian ends the episode <laughs> oh with a
0: big new that
2: we bought And everyone goes, oh,
0: that's pretty corrupt <laughs> oh my And God. then at the
2: start of the next episode, we all move on we go, nope,
0: Gladys. <laughs> Glad- Gladys-, Gladys Berejiklian <laughs> went to space and no one cares yeah. about this right? <laughs> we Have need- we all forgotten about the offshore detention from last episode? <laughs> Fuck, we need a Frank Grimes character in the press gallery to come yeah. in and just be like I'm Gladys Berejiklian, nothing <laughs> sticks to me because I'm Gladys Berejiklian <laughs> (laughs) My personal life out? (laughs) Fuck, that sucks. I'm laughing because it's so painfully true. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, no, that's good.
1: Everyone in the press (laughs) gallery is like Mr. Burns. (laughs) Like, whenever he sees Homer, it's just like, who's this guy again?
0: (laughs) Who the (laughs) devil are you? (laughs) Alan Tudge.
1: (laughs) God damn it.
3: Uh, another part of this same story went uh, kind of viral because Scott Morrison had the temerity to man upt a woman who was <laughs> trying to uh, answer just a legitimate question and he just oh, he d- d- just steamrolled her answer and oh, what a what a misogynist.
0: Miss Rustin could I ask you as, as a woman in, in the government uh, your reflections on on the culture inside as it got better, worse or no change since the, the bonk ban era
2: well phil the only thing that i I can
0: how this ban is referred to i think is quite dismissive of the seriousness of the issue phil
1: it's so stupid i i fucking hate that this went viral but of course it went viral because only the dumbest shit possible goes viral
2: because it's an easy narrative
1: yeah
0: yeah i i i'm alone on this podcast in thinking that it was fucking funny and it was like just a perfect piece it was a perfect piece of satire you couldn't write anything better his timing was perfect but like yeah I agree with Evie in that like that's the dumb shit that goes viral. It got to the fucking New York Times Australia's struggle with bonk bans and man interruptions and shit
1: As if they don't have Trump as their president like come <laughs> on
0: <laughs> Shut up but, America <laughs> But um just just for some context as well before you start feeling super bad for Anne Rustin she's the she's the minister that went out there saying that women can drive on roads so the federal budget is really good. Uh, she also refused to admit that poverty is really and a problem and something that needs to be taken care of by Centrelink because the government has no working definition on the term poverty. So, you know, people...
3: This is very much like um, allegedly, 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 etc. But Anne Rustin, don't
0: forget, (laughs) is the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible, craven, hollow person.
2: The context here that everyone misses is Scott Morrison and Anne Rustin are on the same team versus the journalists. Um, yeah. He's not. He's not interrupting her because he doesn't want her to say anything. They want to say the same stuff. What this is is the paladin jumping in front of the ranger to take a bullet from a goblin. Like <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're a working goblin has a gun? together. Is that I mean, that's a bad analogy?
0: Is there a, yeah, a, a gunslinger subclass for Goblin now? Ah, oh, oh.
2: fuck, I haven't played d for a while.
0: Something for everyone <laughs> on Not Good Enough. Um, but yeah, like, McLean, McLean, you had a really good point that I'm going to mansplain now, was that, yeah. like, he was buying her time to react.
3: I just don't think that Anne Rustin was like, I really wish that I could have my voice heard in this thing. I, I'm so glad that I, <laughs> as a questions. member of the government, have set up in front of the press and they've asked me a difficult question about a culture of sexism in the government that I'm trying to secure power for right now. Mm. Scott Morrison interrupting is like, oh, nice, I can think up a better answer for why sexism is actually good. And she did. So, you know, thanks, ScoMo. It's, he's doing her a favour.
0: Yeah, I, I just... My, my thing is that, like, I'm not sure if that was... Deliberate. I think you might be right. I'm in two minds on it. In in some ways, I think that like Scott Morrison is a like a a gross fucking idiot and would do something like that to a woman, totally oblivious to how it might look. But that said, he does have savvy like uh, po- political instincts. He does run on po- political instincts, just like Ann Rustin. So it's like you know, like the Liberal Party are a pack of like like scavengers, like hyenas Devils. that that prey on the dying and the sick. And, like, he just has the instinct as pack leader, as the most horrible piece of shit, to just be like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Like, yeah. and, and I think as well, there's probably a calculation subconscious in his mind where it's just like, me doing this will 100% take the fucking heat off of Christian Porter and Alan Tudge. Yeah.
3: Like, yeah. It's, it's the, tr- oh, well, yeah, it's the Trump the thing. thing. The, the, the press was talking about, like, oh, Scott Morrison, man interrupted and not- yeah, major government ministers were having secret affairs.
0: Headline, yeah. Scott Morrison, man interrupts Anne Rustin, and they're all sitting there like, phew, dodged a bullet on that one. He like, doesn't give a shit about being a fucking called a misogynist by the press.
1: Yeah. What's the what's the, what's the cost to him? So I don't think it's something that he necessarily thought that hard about. Like, he's just interrupting her. I don't think really necessarily her gender comes into play. I think he's just a rude... Person, (laughs) so like I I think probably thinking too hard about it might lead it to become more of a thing than it actually is. Like he's just, it's it's a funny moment, and in the scheme of things, is not necessarily important. It it does sort of emphasize how much of a blundering idiot he is a lot of the time, he's, though.
3: He's genuinely good at, like, jumping into the spotlight and doing <laughs> something weird to, to to deflect attention on people. And this is, like, the whole Liberal Party is generally fairly – the whole coalition is generally fairly good at it. Yeah. Like, I reckon if he hadn't done this and the press had continued on with the, you know, pressure on Alan Tudge and Christian Porter over their, uh, you know, misbehaviour, uh, you know, I- if the pressure got a little bit too hot, they'd be like, all right, what are we going to do about this? Um, Okay, uh, Barnaby Joyce, how about you post a visibly drunk TikTok so that people will talk about that instead? <laughs> like,
2: the, 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 they,
3: they just do that all the time. It's the same playbook. They just do something cooked that, that is unrelated to the thing. And
0: then the press is immediately like, oh, my God, look at how red his face is. Yeah, and like, then the, the credits roll yeah. and we go back to the episode next week.
1: Exactly. It's the cartoon logic. Going back to um, my particular bugbear, which is amplifying men's voices in this, talking about it and how much they're so sorry for not doing anything at the time. Like, I seriously think that it's a a crime that Malcolm Turnbull isn't getting much more blowback for it than he is. Uh Because he was specifically uh, a- in the spot. Um, and, like, you know, we're getting distracted with all these clips about, like, you know, um, the man eruptions and what have you. Why isn't anyone talking about the fact that our Prime Minister at the time knew what was going on and just let it happen? Like, that is a pretty, like, I would say that's the real sexist sort of architecture that has happened. Because he yeah.
0: he's cool. He wore that leather jacket that time, even yeah. <laughs> And he's, he's come out now with Rudd and they're all like, oh, Murdoch sucks
1: yeah it's important to remember that the the ideological are like opponents him and Scott Morrison and like part of like the appeal in him coming forward on this clip is so he can get one underneath underneath the belt to his enemies. Yeah.
2: The problem here is is the glass ceiling in the Nazi party. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Fitzgibbon. Uh, We talk about this guy. He's he's the Labor guy who's secretly working for the Liberals, but not so secretly. Up until very recently, was the Mm. Shadow
3: Minister for Resources. Yeah, so this is the big story. Member for Hunter.
2: Oh, he's been he's 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 quit because uh, I guess his like super overt bad guy shtick finally caught up with him. Everyone's like for ages, has been like, hey, Joel Fitzgibbon, how about you stop just, like, actively supporting all of the LNP's positions do it subtly, like the rest of us. He hasn't
1: actually quit the Labour Party. He's quit the the Cabinet and he's on the backbench. So he's still also in the Labour Party.
0: We need to be super, super clear with that because I fucking hate all of the media reports, all the way back into sports reports when we started this fucking podcast. These people do not quit, and yet people report on how they quit, or they left, or they were fired. Mm -hmm. They fucking didn't. They maintain their seat, they maintain their vote, they maintain power, they just don't have the portfolio that gives them some political prestige that's it
2: yeah yep. he's taken that manila folder and he's given it to another guy that looks just <laughs> <like him. laughs> politics yeah um so like fitzgibbon just we've, we've talked about him a bunch but in case you've missed the previous every episode um <laughs> his whole thing is like oh scott morrison says he wants to like use taxpayer money to underwrite gas power plants great fully on board with that go scott morrison kill that planet and everyone in Labor's like but we're meant to be pretending to be the opposition. Yeah. <laughs> Our problem with Joel
3: Fitzgibbon is he is a climate denier.
2: He is a that's, huge that's, climate denier. He's like actively pro- The long pro and the short of it is fossil fuels. Actively
3: pro-fossil fuels. He loves coal.
2: And and because the rest of the Labour Party is so wishy-washy and like also support fossil fuels a lot but don't like to say it out loud, um, because he says it out loud and because he has that position of power in the Labour Party, he tends to drag the party with him because he's the person they've decided. Will speak for their climate and and fossil fuel uh, sort of decisions, which is fucking stupid. And so you mm. get you get uh, people like Anthony Albanese, um, who's meant to be a little bit more left wing than him, saying these really hardline things like, uh, "Well, I speak for the Labor Party, and the Labor Party's position is we examine things based upon the detail," and everyone's like. Well, but you just wasted 10 seconds of our time. <laughs> <laughs> and so this has kind of been brewing up a bit more. People in the Labour Party going, what is this guy doing? Joe Biden got in and everyone in Australia went, uh-oh, looks like there's not the appetite for global fascism and climate denial that we thought there would be. Are we going to actually be pushed to do something about climate change in the weakest possible way? Joel Fitzgibbon has the stance of, like, he doesn't want labor to have a medium term emissions target he's like okay zero emissions by 2050 great i'll be dead by then so i don't care a 2030 target oh look out that's in only 10 years we can't have any targets in 10 years and he says this insane thing whereas like the labor party has had six climate policies since the 2006 election only one of them was ever adopted. That was the, the carbon tax. It was super successful. And that policy was repealed by Tony Abbott. So the conclusion you can draw from that is after 14 years of trying, the Labor Party has made not one contribution to the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions in this country. He's so close. So he's like, he's like, well, we haven't accomplished anything, so we should give up on trying. He says, if you want to act on climate change, the first step is to become the government. And to become the government, you need to have a climate change policy that can be embraced by the majority of the Australian people. Labor fucking loves doing this, where they go, well, we're not a government, so we shouldn't do anything. And we also shouldn't promise anything. And we're just going to pretend to not be here until you elect us for some fucking reason.
3: Fitzgibbon is also convinced that a climate and energy policy that can be embraced by a majority of Australian people is a pro-fossil fuels right. policy. That's exactly what he's saying. He's not being like, oh, well, you know, 70% of Australians support urgent climate action, Which so surely the, yeah. the energy policy is that. He's like, no, 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 no. We've got to factor in the coal miners into our energy policy. Yeah. And when I say factor in the coal miners, I don't mean a just transition for the coal workers. I mean, keep the mines open.
2: Yeah, when he says a majority of the Australian people, he means a majority of the Australian top 100 billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's blatant and we shouldn't even be bothering with his talking points because they are all, I will say anything to ensure the success of Colin gas. Um, so yeah, he stepped down from his portfolio for whatever reason, because finally he decided there was a better job somewhere else or because he wants to take a run at leadership or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly murmurings that he's going to try and take a run at leadership yeah. and he's using the, the backbench position to shore up support and, and try and roll elbow, which he has also publicly said that he <sighs> intends to do. Insane. Not not recently, but he has in the past gone on like Sky News and said, oh, well, if Labour's climate policy is too ambitious, I'm absolutely going to try and topple elbow and take over and make it back to a nice climate denier stance. I love so. that
2: Labour's climate policy is too ambitious for anyone. their climate <laughs> policy right now is... We'll try to do something by 2030. Yeah, it'd be nice.
0: Yeah. I think there's part of it where he can see the writing on the wall and he knows Labor is going to go to a more, like, ostensibly green-facing energy policy. Mm. He wants to go back to Hunter to shore up votes because his electorate isn't one that supports climate policy, so he can he can make he can appear more in local newspapers and on local radio to get votes for himself when he's not the energy minister who's ruining his own electorate, quote unquote, ruining his own electorate. Like I think I think it's a I think it's a tactical move to make sure he can stay in power. Um, yeah. And then yeah, yeah, like like you said, what, and because he has he's got a strong voter base, he can't be leader if he does if he gets voted out of his own seat.
1: I would like to know like it does he have like I know it's a blue ribbon seat, but. As previous elections have shown, blue ribbon seats can be flipped. So, I want to know, like, is that a blue ribbon seat on the basis of they genuinely like his policies or they're used to voting the Liberal Party for this long that they can't imagine well, anything uh, here's else? Well, an I interesting
3: one. I, yeah. when I was researching this little bit, uh, yeah. I found out an interesting little piece of information about old Joel Fitzgibbon, <laughs> which is that he's a dynastic appointment in Hunter. The previous member for Hunter was fucking Joel Fitzgibbon's dad. Wouldn't you know? this. <laughs> through just intergenerational wealth, isn't it? I, I, I do want to talk about briefly how much of a disservice he is doing to the seat of Hunter, though, because this yeah. is a coal mining town. Yeah. Those workers need something in place to ensure that they're taken care of when the fossil fuel industry inevitably collapses. We're already getting China refusing to import more Australian coal. and all kinds of things like people like divesting from coal in like large you know uh, investment uh, firms and stuff divesting from coal. Like Hunter is gonna get fucked. If 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 the government doesn't take care of them, and Joel Fitzgibbon being like, "Oh, we got to keep coal mining. That's the only way to stay afloat," <laughs> he's he's selling off their own future.
1: Yeah, they're not like ideologically obsessed with coal. Like they're not like, "I love coal and I want to mm. smooch it on the mouth." They just want a job, and like mm. you know, if you had multiple exit options at this point to give them jobs, green jobs even that would replace their current jobs in working in coal, that's possible. Yeah. But they've chosen not to.
2: So, one of the big towns in that in his electorate is Singleton, which rings a bell to me because that is the town that I keep seeing um, little news clippings from on Twitter because they monitor air quality in the area because it's a coal mining area and the air quality is absolutely fucked. This was some time ago during, like, earlier in the year where it was a bit hotter. There were a few more fires, but also they've got a lot of coal mines going around, which also... Uh, Are really bad when it's a bit hot and windy Um, and the air quality was super bad and everyone was like this is an issue we've got to stay inside why isn't anyone doing anything about this so it might be one of those issues where it's like you've got you've got a sort of working class bunch of people who like you say just want jobs and then you have this small kind of rural power sort of power mongers who are trying to prop up this dynasty i bet there is a lot of really fiddly small town politics going around there (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sure it's all super corrupt.
0: <laughs> Not the Fitzgibbon family. <laughs> They're nothing like the Taylor the family. The largest
2: employment industry in Singleton is coal mining, which employs 24% of the town's workforce. Jesus Christ. Defence is the second largest. Oh, cool.
1: One of the most embarrassing things about Australia is just how much we really, really, really just love people having intergenerational seats. Like hmm. the Downers. Love it.
0: Um. <laughs> they don't have intergenerational seats. She can't win shit. Wow. They they have tried so hard to get Georgina down in a fucking seat and they just She's so tried good. like so many times. <laughs> She's Australia's fucking Donald Trump Jr. She 100% <laughs> just a big fucking fail child. That they like they give millions of dollars to her and voters keep just going fuck off. <laughs> it's so good. Kevin
3: Rudd's petition to have an inquiry into Murdoch media was successful. Uh, Green oh. Senator Sarah Hansen-Young uh, submitted the uh, motion to establish that inquiry to the Senate, and the Senate passed it.
0: Huzzah! And this is on the back of, obviously, Kevin Rudd's large sort of um, media campaign, both for the Royal Commission and also for just shitting on the Greens. He appeared in a bunch of um, uh, Queensland Labour ads saying, don't vote for the Greens, vote for Labour. Because the Greens can't be trusted, because when I was Prime Minister, almost a decade ago, they voted against my utterly useless total shit climate change policy, which wouldn't have done anything. And then later when they got in, we went for the Greens policy and it worked really well. So Kevin Rudd clearly has a grudge against both Murdoch and the Greens. And on November 3rd, Kevin Rudd tweeted out, I've been holding my tongue on the Greens, hoping they'd have the courage to join the 465,000 plus backing my Murdoch Royal Commission. So far, nothing. The Queensland election is over. Adam Bant no longer needs Murdoch's campaign help. Petition closes Wednesday night. (laughs) November 4th, Adam Bant tweets out, Kevin, MPs aren't allowed to sign such petitions so I can't but I'd be very pleased to table it in Parliament on your behalf. It's important, (laughs) and I support its call for an inquiry into corporate dominance and threats to media diversity. Let me know when you've got Labour on board, Adam. (laughs) So Sarah Hansen-Young from the fucking Greens cables it, it gets through and so fucking November 11 Kevin Rudd, true to form, a decade later, the simpering little shit, tweets out our parliamentary petition for a Murdoch Royal Commission is already having an effect. Today Labor and the minor parties voted Mm -hmm. to establish a Senate inquiry into media diversity a useful first step to a full Royal Commission. Kevin Rudd, fuck off forever. You are a useless (laughs) round-headed moon of a man who adds nothing to the media (laughs) landscape Babe. fuck off just go away and open a sh- open like a fish and chip shop in Queensland you would love it you'd have people coming in that <laughs> recognise you you could give them like a little like a slow meme with a little finger guns like hi there everyone welcome to my shop and you could do that and you could feel important and we wouldn't have to put up with your stupid shit fuck <laughs> off you can just
3: hear him gritting his teeth as this tweet today Labour Minor <sighs> <Lone of> parties. <laughs> Including the Greens, but let's not mention
0: the name, even though it was their that, submission. That tweet did it That tweet could be our parliamentary petition for a murder royal commission is already having an effect. Today, Labour were dragged kicking and screaming into yeah. putting the Royal Commission up for a fucking vote, thanks to the Greens. It's
2: great because yeah. because Albanese just straight up refused to kind of engage with it. Oh, Rudd can do whatever he wants. <laughs> this is not Labor policy. We don't want to do or say anything that might make the Murdoch papers look at us funny. Also, like. <laughs> like, he got zero support from Rudd the Labor definitely party.
1: knew that MPs couldn't sign it. Like, obviously he knew. So, yeah. like, it, yeah. it's so funny to see him still try to needle them. On that
3: front. It's such a stretch to suggest that the Greens weren't involved in the 400,000 signatures on the petition <laughs> as well, as though right. none of them were Greens, as though the Greens right. are generally no, cool with No, See, Murdoch you understand. Meeting.
2: The Greens hate petitions.
1: What you need to understand is that Kevin Rudd went through each of the signatures, Googled them <laughs> separately to find out what their party <laughs> affiliations were. So he knows for a fact there's no Greens on there.
3: Yeah, and I mean, he's a Labor guy, so when a Labor person sees a Greens voter, they don't think, oh, that person supports the Greens, they think, those horrible Greens have stolen a Labor vote from us, that's technically our guy.
2: I also love the fact that he thinks that the Murdoch paper has in any way at any time helped the Greens. Like, the only thing Murdoch hates more than Labor is the Greens. Oh,
3: yeah. It's ridiculous. The, the last bit that I want to say about this is, is, is uh, in, in looking up the notes for this one, I found out about the Finkelstein Review, which was another government review into media ownership that was done in 2012.
1: Yeah, so it's actually happened before. That
3: at the end of it recommended a statutory body to oversee the behavior of the media. <laughs> that uh, didn't really happen. And now eight years later, we're like, let's have an investigation into what to do. It's another fucking, oh, uh, let's start a commission to figure out what to do
0: into the results of the commission that came out last time that told us exactly what to do, but we ignored it. Let's investigate that. The Royal Commission into Murdoch is going to be them reading the footnotes from the Finkelstein Review and just looking it up and being like, oh, yeah, good idea. That's
2: it. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, who was the Prime Minister in
0: 2012? Hmm. Who was that? Was uh, Tony Abbott? No, Liberal Party. Was it Turnbull? No, no, hang on, go back. Was it, was it Kevin was Rudd? It-
2: it wasn't, but I think it was Labor.
0: <laughs> no, nah, it, it was Julia Gillard. Um. <laughs> was,
2: Kevin, was Kevin Rudd Prime Minister at any point after that? I believe he was, yeah. I believe he was Prime Minister after that report came out.
1: I think you'll find accusing Julia Gillard of not acting on the review's recommendations is actually sexist. Thank you very much.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Leave her personal life out of this, Evers. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, like this idea that... <sighs> This is like you've, you've talked about it a whole bunch this episode, Evie. But like we've got Malcolm Turnbull and Kevin Rudd back in the media sphere, trying to just essentially rehabilitate their image and talk about how horrible the Murdoch press is. And not a single, and I don't give a shit about those two, but not a single fucking member of the press has really grilled them hard on like, okay, cool, why didn't you do yeah. anything about this at the time? And because the stories out there about how Kevin Rudd flew to New York and had dinner with um with Rupert Murdoch who gave him a pass and was like yeah you're allowed to be the new prime minister uh, up until you try to put a tax on on mining essentially and try to fuck with Foxtel with the NBN like Malcolm Turnbull was rolled because he was trying to get a liberal version of a like a carbon pricing scheme in place and Murdoch doesn't like that he's a Opposed to that as well. These spineless wimps could have done anything and they didn't. And not one single person is like, okay, cool. Why do we give a fuck about what you're doing now?
1: It's bizarre because, like, Kevin Rudd definitely kissed the ring even more than Turnbull did. And he's in, like, the opposite ideological party, allegedly. But-
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we're seeing seeing now that they're coming together pretty effectively.
1: He's the godfather of a news-limited big hobnob. So, like- I don't even yeah, that's know. Right, is.
0: <laughs> yeah, Kevin, Kevin Rudd is the godfather of someone from News, yeah?
1: Yeah. Like it just it's Well, a child from news. It's just amazing like how there's so little Investigation into the fact that these two narcissists Are leading this sort of uh, This petition <laughs> like, That's what it drives me crazy Like I hate both of them so much But like for uh, them to, for <laughs> them to how you feel Evie uh, th- yeah. For them to grandstand like this It's just like
0: oh, I think God, I one be. good thing we can take away from it Is that any calls for there to be a centrist party Coming out being led by Kevin Rudd and Malcolm Turnbull Is dead in the water Because not a single one of them is going to budge On whose name should go first on the party line <laughs> 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 so, We have no risk of that happening It's fine bit of good news this
3: week though daniel andrews and the victorian labor government has announced that they're going to put 5.3 billion dollars into building social housing social housing in victoria is in a pretty fucked situation Mm. so even though it's not going to fix it it is going to
2: help so it's it's just really nice news to see that sounds good do we know any like are there any more specifics than that or it's just like here's a needed cash (laughs) injection
0: um, they are going to be. I mean, yeah, there are specifics about like it's going to be targeting places like Geelong, Ballarat, and Bendigo mm. specifically. They're getting a whole bunch of cash. Um, they want to be raising the stock of both community and public housing, which are different. Public housing is run by the government. Community housing is run by non for profits. Essentially, mm. um, they do they do have a pretty good breakdown on it. And this is like unambiguously a good thing for a state government to do. Mm. What isn't what uh, what is good. Context to have with it, though, is that Victoria has the lowest amount of social housing. Uh, of any state
2: is that like per capita or total?
0: Yeah, it's 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 per capita. It's it's
3: the lowest proportion. I'm just reading from the article here. Lowest proportion of social housing in Australia. Only 3.2 percent of Victoria's housing stock is social housing. Right. Below the national average of 4.2 percent. Okay. Yeah. Which is also uh, a th- there's also a, a long running thing of the Victorian government announcing that they're going to be doing social housing things, and they sort yep. of use that to funnel money to developers instead, and actually right. end up building less social housing than. There was before. Do they,
2: like, use it as an excuse for apartments or something? Yeah,
3: exactly. They'll, like, knock down some existing social housing to build some more social housing that's nicer but less housing there. Uh So, they they result in a net loss of how many houses there
1: are for people. That's happening locally. That's actually happening in Preston Station.
3: Yeah. It happens all over the place. Uh, But this announcement, they're they're just saying, yeah, we've got $5.3 billion. We're going to try and build 12,000 homes within four years to tackle homelessness, uh, which, yeah, it's just really good.
2: Okay. I guess- uh, if, they,
3: if they actually go ahead with it, it, it seems like some of the people who are currently under housing stress will not be, which is, uh, you know, a net positive.
2: Hopefully they build some good housing. It's very easy to build a lot of really shitty public housing, um, but it's actually not that much harder to build good housing. You just don't give the money to the most corrupt possible people and you make more than the minimum possible effort. This um, yeah. is a, a personal bugbear of mine with housing in general, but I won't go into it too much. Where it's like efficient homes... And not
3: hard to build. It, it's just a sort of general thing of like the announcements are always nice. Governments love announcing things, yeah. but the Victorian government has previously pr- pledged to build a thousand social housing units by 2022. This is an announcement they made in 2016. They they, they said that they were going to build a thousand homes, and uh, since then they have built 57. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's hmm. not a sort of great bit of progress. So certainly, like the announcement today is uh, very welcomed, but. I think even more welcomed than an announcement is actually fucking doing it.
0: The yeah. <laughs> I think this is like one of the things I wanted to talk about briefly is that the the lack of a middle ground or gray zone between like just standing down to the ends of the earth and photoshopping his head on top of Superman and then like calling for his <laughs> beheading and saying that we need to get the Liberal Party in there. Like governments do so much that we can happily say on this podcast that Dan Andrews has done something that is really good here and also does a lot of, like, fucking terrible things and should be held to account for them as well. You don't have to pick a side. This isn't sports or, like, you know, your favourite Bachelor contestant. Like It's not a cartoon. Exactly. Like no. they-, they-, they can do plenty of things. And this is one of those instances where what we really need to do is, like, when we say hold them to account, like, cheer this sort of shit and be like, yeah, fuck it, this is great. What you did to the birthing trees is absolutely unforgivable. Do better on that <laughs> thing as well. Like, it's, I, I don't know, it's it, it's it, it's a very right-wing talking point that leftists sort of unconsciously take on when they say, oh, well, we can't talk about that now, we've got this issue. Like, leftists balked at that when we were told that we can't talk about climate change during the bushfires because there's bushfires happening. And so this other thing that comes up now is like, well, we can't talk about the bad Things Dan Andrews has done because he's do, he's do, he did really well during coronavirus. It's like some of the right. bad stuff he did was through coronavirus. Yeah, and we can we can we can we can hold both of these things.
1: He if he is largely responsible for the second wave. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think there's a bit of um, people see any criticism of a party as uh, kind of turning voters off that party. So they say, but if we yeah. if we talk down, you know, Dan's response to whatever then oh, we might lose some Labour votes, which means the Liberals might get in and that would be bad. Uh, It's very much similar to what we saw in America where people were like, during this election campaign, we can't say anything bad about Biden because we need to get him in at all costs, which I can kind of understand, but we'll have to make sure he does the right thing afterwards. But I don't know. I don't know. Like, I can kind of see the merit there in Australia. I think it's a lot fiddlier than that because, for one thing, we don't just have that two-party system.
1: I I think the the inclination there is definitely, though, the whole idea of treating politics like team sports, which is my least favourite inclination that people have. Like, actions for this week. If you ever find yourself making a Photoshop of Dan Andrews (laughs) as Superman, I'm begging you, get into a team sport. Like... Just, oh my god!
0: We've got lockdown still, Evie. We can't. No,
1: there's a new season starting next year. Australia's going to have team sports again. Like, really look into getting into AFL like for next year. Nah. Just come on. I don't know, Evie. Have they cancelled sport forever?
0: Yeah, <laughs>
3: No. Nah. look, okay, everyone they, they cancel sport, sport because of COVID. Get into eSports.
0: League of Legends is real fun to watch. Friendship has ended with real sports. Now get into eSports. Apex Legends. Here we go.
2: Yeah, learn um, how to game. Yeah, there's no corruption there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the, ma- the main thing, though, is that that idea of, like, we can't turn voters away from certain people. What we know that definitely works, and this is why politicians try to campaign against it. I mentioned Kevin Rudd. Like doing ads against the Greens is because it's not that the voters go to the Liberal Party. It's that the voters push the Labor Party on issues and they're forced to go left and they don't want to go left. Dan Andrews doesn't want to do leftist things. It's better for him and all his friends to do right-wing things. But Governments don't lose votes like that. If the majority of their supporters go, "Fuck yeah, we'll vote for you," but we really want you to do this thing, and we're going to preference or even vote for the Greens to let you know this, they fucking hate that. So they want to make sure that they can have their own because
2: um they're pushed to do these awkward deals. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly, give exactly. Other people but- credit.
0: But even then, it's like it's it's politically untenable for politicians to hold on to like, policy positions when the vast majority of people want them to go another way. So, they lie to people and say, well, you know, you'll be voting for the other people who'll be even worse than that. It's like, no, we won't. We're just going to force you to do shit that's both good and what we want.
3: They also love to make deals and then get really mad when the sort of cost of the deal comes home. Where mm. they're like, look, we've made this political deal where we'll scuttle climate action to secure some other victory and- the gain from that is securing some other victory, but the cost of that is we'll piss off the Greenies. And then the Greenies get pissed off, and they're like, you can't be pissed off at that. We did it as a deal. And it's like, yeah, the cost of the deal was Greenies getting pissed off at you, man. You've got you've to suck that up.
2: <laughs> or they make deals where the the cost is actually so much worse than the benefit. They go, ah, yes, oh, we'll, sure. <laughs> get, we'll get a, a little deal with our offshore shore gas companies. We'll get a bit more gas supply in Australia. Downside is we'll destroy thousands of kilometres of of natural coastline, but... That's a it's a trade. It's bouncing out. It. Yeah,
3: yeah. You you fuckers destroyed thousands of kilometres of natural coastline. Yes, but
1: <laughs> we have reduced your energy bill by a little bit. Are <laughs> mad at me? It's like no, I'm mad, man. What do you
0: want? <laughs> this is also why we haven't really talked about the fact that the Parliament of Victoria voted for a Green New Deal. Sort of thing because, I like, think even that's, yeah, very much a,
3: a thing of like, let's see what they actually yeah, do. Yeah. I love that they voted for it, but let's see what they actually even, do.
0: Even some Greens, like, members were just like, and let's see what fucking happens. They voted for it in <laughs> principle. Like, even, even the people in power were just like, <sighs> Well, fucking fingers crossed, so, like, yeah, hopefully that'll be really good. Maybe in six months' time or whatever, we can be on the podcast being like, holy shit, they fucking did it at the expense of probably Indigenous communities and people with Sudanese heritage, because that's what the fucking Parliament of Victoria love doing, is bullying them. Uh, Sam Ratnam, who actually passed the, who who
3: introduced the motion um, in her tweet announcing it, was like, breaking, Parliament just voted yes to our motion for a Green New Deal for Victoria. This is the first time a Green New Deal has been formally endorsed in Australia. The next step is to ensure the government follows through <laughs> in the upcoming state budget.
2: <laughs> it's very much like every couple of months they go, I'm going to get fit. But
1: all my friends... Me <laughs> <laughs> through this entire lockdown.
2: This is an announcement. <laughs> and all of my friends have learned, don't congratulate him then. He hasn't done it yet. Let's give it a little bit of time <laughs> and see if he actually does it. Surprise. I never, I never follow through. Um, and, and if I got a lot of congratulations for, um, for my announcement there... Um, everyone would be wasting their cakes.
3: <laughs> I will say that one of the things, so the things in the Green New Deal uh, that, the, that the the Parliament passed, one of them was a big build of new public housing to help, help end homelessness. And only All a right. few days later, they have announced that. So again, let's see if they actually do it. But it, it does suggest that... that it is a you know a bit of actual forward momentum it's really nice I'm just going to run down the list of things that are in the sort of Green New Deal that they're proposing just because it's nice to imagine a nicer world sometimes
0: put some, put some like um, the, the chime music we can imagine a world <laughs> imagine a world where they're pushing for publicly
3: owned renewable energy and storage projects big new build of public housing employing more educators healthcare workers nurses and social support workers uh, restoring natural environment by regenerating bushfire areas. Is protecting mm-hmm. threatened species and planting trees and native vegetation.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, investment in walking, bike riding, and public transport to cut traffic. Hell yeah. Reviving shopping streets to support jobs in retail and a recycling revolution to reduce waste and protect our waterways and wildlife. I, I actually really like that the Green New Deal involves reviving shopping streets and supporting jobs in retail and stuff. I, mm. I, I honestly think that focused. think about the economy is a real thing that does need to happen mm. in terms of getting climate action. You just need to think about the economy in a way that is not just like, we need to make money. It's like Green New Deal means supporting the people who need jobs and getting them jobs. The state can support that and we should mm. and we'll need to to get actual climate action. So I, I actually honestly like that that is in the Green that's New the, Deal. Well. Uh,
2: that's the New Deal part.
1: Yeah. That, that part is also um, focused on the fact that to have a more greener sort of economy, we need to bring uh, production, like the production chain back to a much more local spot as well yeah so like they're actually thinking about sort of shrinking that circle which is great that's actually a really good plan and i sincerely hope that that's the case yeah
3: walkable city stuff is 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 awesome i freaking love when people get behind like you know oh why don't we have just more retail areas intermingled in residential areas and stuff rather than just having like oh we've got like this housing complex suburb thing over here and then you've got to drive half an hour to get to the shops it's
0: ridiculous watch out for the cottage core eco-fascists
2: uh, yeah they're all they're all things where they, they've chosen things that really it's hard to get angry about no one's like oh we don't want to have more jobs for nurses and teachers that's uh. <laughs>
3: reviving our shopping streets these bloody uh, greens
1: I mean they'll try and find a way to make it an ideological bent and I mean there are still like, Um, people in the greens who are anti any development as well so that's also something that we need to watch out for like as soon as we start introducing like retail into suburban areas there's definitely going to be some NIMBYs who are like no we don't want this we don't want any shops at all great so where are you going to get it from
3: you're just wrong about that NIMBY. get some shops nearby it's great
0: Now that everyone's going to be working from home. I want to shop in my backyard.
3: It'll
2: be so convenient. love
0: having a shop nearby. I do think something weird as well. Dan Andrews was talking about like, look, the CBD is just not going to be the same. There's not going to be many people working from home now. So now we've got to focus on the sporting stuff and events in the CBD because people aren't going to be using those offices the same way. And I'm like, ooh, hello. What are you you trying to deflect from? Are you going to sell off the rest of the port of Melbourne, mate? Is that (laughs) what you're playing at? (laughs) I see you. Actions this week. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Um, Check out two really good articles that Friends of the Show wrote. Um, Jim Marlowe, who we had on when he was a writer at Domain, he's been fucking let off the lead. He is fucking going nuts over at Junkie doing some of the best like just hard left mm. journalist in the country at the moment um, wrote an extended piece about um, the white Australian media platforming fascists and white nationalists and whatnot. We talked about it last week but definitely go check out um, his his piece. It's fucking great. He wrote it off the back of a tweet so you know, never log off, start a podcast, tweet through it. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other one is uh, James Clark wrote an amazing thing in Jacobin about uh, Fitzgibbon's resignation and the next step for steps for Labor and just really laying out in a much more considered and smart way than we do about ah. what labor need to do in terms of like somehow like getting these very very tough concepts through to people you know the tough concept of like literally no one is using fossil fuels in the next 20 years and also renewable energy will give us money and jobs and will secure the future you know those really unpalatable hard ideas to sell uh, he sets out actual ways to do it instead of just starting a podcast and yelling about it <laughs>
3: Um, there was also an article posted, not by a friend of a pod, so uh, sorry. But, fuck you. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm mean, a just new friend. Just sort of generally. Nah, fuck Just writing generally. No, no, friends only. <laughs> uh, no, there, was a, <laughs> there was an article that went up in Jacobin that was a big deep dive into how the Australian Labour Party is secretly really right wing. And uh, it was just a really interesting and good read. And it is a thing that we hit pretty commonly in the podcast. So if you're interested in that, there's a, a much sort of more uh, well thought out and less shouty article in, in Jacobin that will. We'll put a link in the show notes too as well, called uh, Labour's Anthony Albanese is not a friend of Australia's left, and he never was, uh, as by writer Nicholas Daniel. And uh, that's that's my recommendation for the week.
0: Another good shout-out this week is NADOC Week just finished up uh, last week, and in a little bright spot of good news, Australia Post has agreed to incorporate traditional place names in their mail. This was a um, thing that we talked about last week, and I have to apologise because I didn't know about this online campaign that's been gathering steam since August from uh, Rachel McPhail, who's an Indigenous woman who lives on Wurundjeri country. Um, She's been pushing for a while to just have the traditional place names uh, of the land you're on included in the mail that you send. And so, Australia Post has actually gone, yeah, cool. They've updated their guidelines and they have said that to – this is on the website. To acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land your item is being delivered on, you can include those place names in the address field. To find traditional place names, check out AITSIS – we'll put the link to that in the show notes – or the Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander land councils or cultural centres in your local area. So, essentially – This is just sort of saying, like, do a little bit of work and we'll meet you halfway in actual... Material recognition of the land that you're living on. If you've ever listened hmm. to a um, acknowledgement of country, we talk about how sovereignty was never ceded. If sovereignty was never ceded, then we're not technically. I'm not technically in Thornbury. I'm on the Waroong lands in Wurong Nation, part of the Kulin Nations. This larger conglomerate. Those are the actual names of the places. If you really want to boil down to it. If in any other, like Western fiction is full of that shit of like the, the, you know, the the plucky underdogs and the resistance leaders not giving up their actual names when the oppressors come over and try to change it. So the bare minimum you can do when you are sending out mail or parcels or whatever is put the actual name of the place you're sending it to. And so massive shout out to Australia Post for doing it. An even bigger shout out to Rachel McPhail, um, mm. especially because this stands in stark contrast to the fucking Senate of our. Uh, government yeah. who during NADOC week voted against raising the indigenous flag because according to and fucking Rustin, there is an appropriate time and place to be flying many different flags and we believe that the Australian flag is the only appropriate one for the Senate. So fuck them.
2: I love that this is like that's the hill they choose to die on. It's like, no, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna fly the Australian flag. I'm gonna explicitly vote no fly the, the indigenous flag. I'm gonna explicitly vote against that. Just garbage. Week. It's Fucking garbage. insane. And and what they say is uh, put the traditional place name and then put the more uh, conventional address. And uh, this might seem like one of those things where you're like, but if you're putting both of them, then what's even the point? I think a lot of it is about making it more of a norm. Um, and yeah, 100%. kind of educating ourselves. And it reminds me a little bit of like, I remember when I was young and they changed the, the like, normally used name of Uluru. It used to be Ayers Rock. Um You know, that was the white people name. S- still is um, if you're flying
0: with Qantas, apparently. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, okay. fucking shit.
2: And now everyone calls it Uluru, and and everyone's like, well, you know, all the old people kept calling it Ayers Rock for a while, but now everyone calls it Uluru. It's just become the normal thing to call it, and that's kind of a, a good thing. It hasn't changed the rock. It hasn't changed the way most of us think about stuff or do stuff well, it, it's it, it has changed that tiny little bit of awareness and understanding of whose land it is and who's naming these things it's just Where a we very are. it's a very yeah. simple
1: thing of wanting something to be called by the name that you know yeah. that the people of that place want it to be called it's even like even it's, if you want to in- internalize it personally you wouldn't like it yeah. if someone called you a name that wasn't like something that you Ooh. didn't want to be called dead naming yeah, yeah. it's, yeah.
2: it's, yeah. it's <laughs> just the tiniest yeah. bit of recognition and respect
1: yeah
0: He's a fuck you, Ann Rustin. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, the, that's the take-home point here. Yeah. Thanks for listening to uh, another episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us at notgoodpod on all the socials. That's at notgoodpod. Or email us at notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Um, and, yeah, if you're Ann Rustin, tell us what, what bullshit you've decided is important this week. Just getting an week. email in from Ann Rustin <laughs> saying,
3: no, you get fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people um, of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and uh, we want to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.